From its beaches and inlets to its forests and heathlands, Suffolk is a wonderful place to visit, but a great place in which to live. And yet, what makes Suffolk so fantastic isn't just its natural scenery and wonderful open skies, it's the people who inhabit this wonderful county. Suffolk is full of extraordinary people, of amazing businesses and staggeringly helpful community groups. So the reason why we've put this podcast together, the reason why we have the Suffolk Money podcast is that we have found that there are only three things we can do with money. We can spend it, we can save it, or we can give it away. So we speak with community groups and charities to which we can give. We talk with independent financial advisors and money experts about our savings. And we talk with entrepreneurs and business leaders about places in which we can spend our money. This is a series of podcasts supported by Kingsfleet Wealth Independent Financial Advisors. I wonder how your travel experiences have been over both the last 18 months and also what your plans are for the future. We were delighted to be able to speak with Lee Hunt, the Managing Director of Deben Travel, and find out about Lee's background in the travel business and also what it's been like to be on the ground dealing with people who've had to have plans cancelled or rescheduled or perhaps even bringing people back from far off countries uh, when the pandemic hit early in 2020. So it's really good to be able to uh, have a conversation with Lee uh, and Lee you're in Woodbridge I believe. Yeah in Woodbridge in Suffolk so great place to be um, just just near the river and that's where the, the name Deben Travel came from because of the River Deben so yeah we're, we're lucky to be here. Um, but obviously what we're going to be dealing with today is uh, as much as people love living in Woodbridge, love living in Suffolk and the surrounding area, we all like to uh, look at uh, travelling abroad from time to time or travelling further afield so we'll have a look at the subject of travel of which you are an expert. Yeah, well, I've been working in travel now since the age of 16. So um, that's where, where my career started. So, so yeah, I've built up a few years of experience now. So I'd like to think I'm, I'm not sure I'd go an expert because things <laughs> do change, it seems, every day. But, um, but yeah, I'd like to know I know what I'm talking about sometimes. <laughs> well, that's an interesting um, point, actually. So if you started working travel agency at 16, what, what was the appeal? What, what, why did you choose that particular profession? Yeah, well, strangely enough, until the age of 16, I've never even been on an overseas holiday. Um, you know, we, 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 we rarely holidayed in the UK, to be honest, because financially it just wasn't an option for the family. So, uh, you know, I'd never even been away. But um, uh, one of my friend's father, um, he was um, um, a regional manager. But back then they were called John Hillary Travel. Um, and it just seemed really glamorous for want of a better word you know he seemed to be you know out and about jetting off to different countries and I think at, at the age of 16 I didn't quite know what what I wanted to do but saw what he was doing and thought actually that seems quite interesting um, and uh, my career uh, careers advisor at school I went to school in Felixstowe Orwell High School in Felixstowe at the time and the careers advisor said well if that's something you're interested in uh, Lum Polly the travel agents are looking for an apprentice um, so I went along to the interview um, at Tavern Street in Ipswich and um, uh, did the interview process and began a two-year apprenticeship at, at Lampoli. 
um, you know, since then they've, they've, they've become TUI, um, but, uh, but Lumpoly were a great company to work for. And as I say, did my two year um, YTS scheme, as it was called at the time. I think I was paid about £50 a week, but, um, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it and kind of got hooks on travel from there on, really. Very good. Well, we have something in common there. I went to the other school in Felix, though, but there was... Uh, oh, you went to Stephen, did you? So I went to Stephen, so there we are. I thought oh, you right. picked the right name, but uh, <laughs> no, you, 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 there we are. Well done. Now, that, that, that must have been quite a, um, a shock to the system for you, then, if you hadn't really travelled personally, to then be in a position where you're learning all about other people's objectives and plans and, and, and what's available on the market. Yeah, that's right. And the YTS scheme was, was very thorough. We had like a, a day a month where we had to go to uh, to college over in um, in Cambridge um, to, to to kind of study, if you like. But I'd probably say for the first six months or so, I was, for want of a better word, locked in the brochure cupboard. Um, uh, we used to stamp brochures back then, and I seemed to spend six months stamping brochures. Um, but what that did was gave me a really good understanding of all the different holiday companies that Lumpoly dealt with and the content of the brochures. Um, I, I would read up on different destinations. And so when I was then uh, uh, let onto the shop floor, um, if a customer were to then come into the shop saying, oh, you know, what brochure has... Um, the Bon Sol Hotel in Mallorca, I'd go, actually, that, that, that's, that's, the, that's the Thompson Gold brochure. I've got that here. Mallorca's fantastic, you know. Um, so it, it really did feel then that I kind of had a bit of a, not necessarily a step ahead, but I knew things that some of the other team didn't know, um, which kind of made me feel pretty good about myself, really. Lovely, all because you were locked in a cupboard with a load of brochures. Absolutely, yeah. So there is absolutely a benefit. And, and I must say, um, I, I, I will admit that even to this very day, I, I, I am known to take take a brochure home. And, you know, if new brochures come out, I always have a look because they change all the time. And I just hope the industry never get, never fully gets rid of brochures because as agents, we love them and, and our customers love them as well. So a, a, a brochure is important for us and important for our customer. Yeah, I guess it gives people the opportunity to take away the pictures, take a look at the, the facilities and, and yeah. sort of browse without scrolling and exactly. having everything on one computer screen or an iPad. Yeah, there's something to be said about turning down pages and writing notes and things like that, which is very difficult to do online. So, you know, brochures still play a big part of our, uh, you know, uh, of our sales process, if you like. So, yeah, yeah. important. So I'm really interested in this this lad who's joined on YTS and then you would have had your first trip at some stage. I'm really intrigued as to know what that was. Well, my first ever trip was was um, at Lumpoly and we uh, and still to this very day, we're given what we call educational trips. And so we were taken on a four night trip to the island of Minorca. Um, stayed in a resort called Sombu and visited different hotels where you look around different hotels and different room categories, obviously to, to enable you when you get back to the UK, back into the shop, to be able to sell that destination better. Um, you know, aeroplane for the first time. It was just, it was just fantastic. And I think then kind of the travel bug really bit. And then I, I was then luckily enough, kind of quite shortly after that, I'm, I've always been a keen skier um, and we were in the right place to pick up offers. So I went skiing in Banff in Canada. 
um, um, a few, um, for want of a better word, lads' holidays um, to places like Benidorm. Um, and, and, and yeah, so overall, kind of ever since then, you know, been lucky enough to, 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 to take a, a good number of holidays every year. Um, so, so, so yeah, it was, uh, it was really exciting times back then. And uh, after my initial two years with, with uh, Lumpolly, I then um, I left Lumpolly to go and work overseas as a ski guide. Um, I worked in Austria in a small resort called Outback um, for a company called Crystal Holidays, um, who specialise in ski and lakes and mountains. And so I did a did a season over there, did seven months being a ski guide, which was brilliant because, again, being a keen skier, um, absolutely love that. And airport runs and, you know, taking people on excursions. And and after my time in uh, in Austria, came back and, um, and uh, went into an assistant manager's role. Um, and then shortly afterwards, joined Thomas Cook as a manager um, here in Woodbridge. Um, the Thomas Cook shop was pretty much opposite where we are here, and I was, that was my first management role. And then from, from Thomas Cook, worked my way up the ladder, really, to various different per senior management positions. So, so yeah, I've, 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 always, uh, I've always enjoyed working in travel. And I, although I did leave uh, for a couple of years to do, to do, to do something different, I've, um, I've always enjoyed the travel industry. So it was the uh, attempt to do something different just to see if there was something else you preferred and then you found actually, no, it was really, it wasn't yeah. really there. <laughs> I think also there was, the there was the financial draw as well, if I'm being totally honest. Um, yes. At that time, I was called by a company um, and, uh, and Boots um, were looking for uh, uh, regional managers. And so I went into initially be a regional manager for Boots Opticians um, and I looked after their stores in central London. Um, and it was just a great experience. I'd only ever worked in travel. I only ever knew one thing. So to pick up, um, you know, different ways of doing things from such a large blue chip company to meet different people from from optics and pharmaceuticals and cosmetics, you know, I, I would just never have been exposed to that within the travel industry. Um, and I think kind of the time I spent at Booz, I absolutely loved it. But, you know, I did really miss travel the sit the, the sitting down the talking to people the excitement of being in travel um so so although the the for, for me at the time the money was fantastic kind of you know i i missed travel and so took the decision to uh to, to to open my own business here in woodbridge and that was in that was in 2012 so that uh, although that was a step away from a travel agency it must have been a, a helpful uh, experience from the perspective of customer service and ensuring that um, people are still looked after. I, the product's different, um, but it's all about ultimately looking after the public. Yeah, the product was certainly different. You know, ours. I'm a, I'm a contact lens and glasses wearer, so so I know how to wear contact lenses and glasses, but being involved in optics and particularly the clinical side of things was very different. And I was also then a, immersed a little in the, kind of the health and beauty side and cosmetics and and the customer experience, really, from entering a boot store and also trying to trying to, you know, match people you know spectacle wearers uh, with wearing makeup isn't always easy because if you have to take off your glasses to put makeup on you can't sometimes see what you're doing and and you know the, the the leadership management programs and training courses and development days they had at boots are just like things i've never experienced before in the past so so yeah it's a different product but at the, at, at the same time it was just putting the customer at the heart of everything that we did which is kind of what ours ours you know, taught from an early age of the travel industry. So I certainly don't regret my time at Boots at all. They're a fantastic company to work for. And um, I'm really pleased I uh, I did take that time out of travel. Um, but, you know, pleased I came back as well. Yeah, so so what what caused the leap into um, 
to start your own business did you just feel that you didn't want to be working for somebody else or was it a case of using your experiences for um, doing something that you felt was specific yeah well having spent so many years working at Thomas Cook you know I I I, I knew travel well I felt I had good relationships with people within the industry to be able to eat to, to help us to set up but at the same time when you're working for such a large company sometimes directives come from above and and you do feel that you could maybe do things slightly different maybe do things slightly better either from a profit perspective or from a customer perspective and it got to the stage where it was very early trains out of London uh, out of Ipswich down to London Liverpool Street and late trains back and conference calls at the ridiculous time of nights and um, and it was it was one uh, I, I remember so clearly as a it was it was a it was a cold October evening I printed off uh, some letters at home and put them through the doors of units in Woodbridge of premises I felt would be a good size for a travel agent um, and um, and the next day um, uh, the, the the tenant who was in this particular unit before me a hairdresser's he called and said well I've got another business in Ipswich and so if you want to take over the lease here in Woodbridge you, you, you're more than welcome to do so that was in the October and we opened in the January so um, so, so, so yeah it all happened it all happened quite quickly from there on really so it sounds to me as though you knew in your mind's eye what you wanted to do. And then once you'd found the premises, then you were going to start the business. Yeah, I, th I think even leading up to it, even leading up to that night in October when I printed out those letters, I had a pretty clear vision of what I wanted the store to look like and what I wanted the travel business to be. Just because of the amount of time I spent around different Thomas Cook stores and, and, and you know, the time in the travel industry. So I felt I had a very good vision for what I wanted the store to be. Um, it, it was just about making that happen and making it come to life, really. And, and indeed, did I have the, the finances to, to make it happen? Um, so, 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 yeah, there were, there were certainly very, very many sleepless nights. But, um, mm. but we opened in, in, in the, the January and, um, yeah, and, and the rest is history, as they say. So that was January 2012. January right? 2012, yep. Right, OK, yeah. So at, at that stage, when you opened, was there a specific target market that you had in mind? Initially, when we opened, the, the, the focus was on tailor-made long-haul travel, um, because that's what, for us as travel agents, or particularly for myself, who've kind of been around for a while, you, you, can, you, can get, you can get immersed in it. You can lose yourself in putting together a, a really exciting, you know, tailor-made itinerary, whether that be around America, Canada, South America, Australia, New Zealand, you know, with, with lots of internal flights and lots of different hotels. It's a really exciting thing to put together. And, and you know, that that is what we set out to do. And we, you know, I've got an experienced team and we do that and we do that well and we still do that well now. But our bread and butter is your, what, what we call in the industry, your, your European bucket and spade holiday. It's your European seven night beach break. That's what, that's, that's our bread and butter. And, uh, you know, the, the icing on the cake are those big long haul bookings, really. So, so yes, we do still do that. But yeah, it's uh, predominantly now kind of the your European package holiday that's putting, putting the money in the till. And is there a difference in demographic between the, uh, those who arrange one sort of holiday and those who arrange another? Or is that fairly evenly spread, you know, in terms of ages and so I'd, I'd say it's fairly evenly spread I mean one thing's for sure when if someone comes in and books shall we say a a less expensive break to Minorca 
who knows, they may just be booking a less expensive break because they're saving up for a huge holiday to New Zealand next year that's going to have, you know, ver- you know, various different internal flights and a stopover in a luxury hotel in Singapore on the way. So we, we need to treat our customers in- as individuals um, and we need to establish what their requirements are based on that specific holiday and, and you know, and treat everybody the same, whether they're coming in looking to book a holiday for 70, 80, 100,000 pounds and we do book those holidays. Um, or whether someone's coming in looking to spend £250 per person. Because let's not forget, when I started in travel, I was that person booking that holiday for £250 per person to Benidorm. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that those, those people are, are there and they're our customers of the future. So in recent months, obviously, you will have had, a, I guess, a mixed um, form of, uh, of booking in the sense of those who perhaps... I don't know. What, what what sort of bookings have you had, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, c- coronavirus for the travel industry has been really challenging. And, and I think kind of it, it kind of takes me back in a way to when we first opened the shop in that January of 2012, where I'd spent all the money, uh, the, the loan that I took out to open the business. And we were just sitting here hoping that people would come in and book holidays because we had no money in the bank account. But since then, we had 10 years of being really successful, voted the number one travel agency in the UK, won n- numerous other awards, a fantastic loyal customer database, um, and the bank balance was healthy. But this, this last 18 months, if we think back now, kind of the pandemic started in March 2020, the travel industry come to a standstill and it's still not fully reopened. Um, and we've now gone back to a stage like we were in 2012, where we've got precious little money in the bank account. And we're, you know, we're just sitting here um, in a way hoping that customers are going to come in and book holidays. Um, now, that started to come back, I'm pleased to say, um, and because I've always been careful with the, the, the money in the business, you know, we managed to make that money in the bank account last. But, um, but you know, it's touch and go and lots of travel businesses have gone under over these last 18 months. So we are, I do count myself lucky to be here and, you know, thank my team and particularly our customers for, uh, for trusting us, really. Um, so, so, yeah, so it's been a, a really tough time, lots of sleepless nights. Um, you know, from a personal perspective, not being able to pay myself properly now for 18 months. So personally, it's been very, very challenging as well. Uh, not being able to take advantage, full advantage of the furlough scheme um, and the government support for us as, as, as travel agents has been been very, very sparse. So it's been really difficult. Goodness, it must have been quite a, a challenging time. Just going back to the start of the pandemic in 2020, March, no doubt you will have had some of your clients, your customers, in other parts of the world Mm -hmm. were there situations where you had to intervene to to assist them yeah absolutely we had clients in 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 all all four corners of the earth we had uh, we had people in south africa we had people in china uh, vietnam we had people over in south america um, and it was our responsibility then to speak to them because quite often airlines were simply just cancelling flights without notice and our customers were simply stra- left stranded and if i think about particularly our customers that were that were stuck in um, uh, south africa um not only were their flights cancelled they were told it's not likely that flights were going to restart for the best part of six months and you know you can imagine the worry and fear that goes through their mind um so we had to pop them uh, find them alternative accommodation and obviously just keep our eye on the flight situation and get them booked to come home as soon as they could really luckily 
enough, we managed to book them on a repatriation flight. The government was running repatriation flights in the early stage, and we managed to get them booked on a repatriation flight uh, to come home uh, four weeks later than when they were due to. But, um, but yeah, it was really, really difficult back then because not only did we have people overseas that we needed to get home, but we had people on the way to the airport. I, I was calling people actually at Heathrow, letting them know that they're, what the situation was, telling them to just simply turn around and come back home. And all those people also that had already paid the balance of their holidays and were due to travel in the coming weeks and months that were just thinking, actually, what's have we lost our money? And so we were getting hundreds of calls just from worried customers about what, what's happening. You know, what, what am I, am I going to lose my money? And, and I must be honest, at that stage, we didn't really know. It was completely new. So it was a case of us just reassuring customers that, we, we aren't turning off the phones. We aren't, we aren't not responding to emails, unlike some other companies did at the time. We will be here and we will look after you. When the pandemic first started, you know, as I mentioned before, we couldn't take full advantage of furlough as a business until I think it was August because we were so busy with getting people home, refunds, amendments, cancellations. We needed the full team in place. And so, 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 so yeah, we couldn't utilise furlough, but that was the right decision because if we... If we didn't have the full complement of, of staff members, we wouldn't have been able to look after our customers the way we did, um, which obviously is um, paying dividend now because those people are coming back to book with us again. Mm. Yeah, I get the impression that there are some people who may have been stuck in those you know, other countries or had issues with flights and so on that have actually been quite traumatised by by the experience are you sensing that or uh... yeah without without a doubt i think there are people even now that ask the question what happens if we're away and this happens um more recently the fear if if we're away and we have the covid test before we return to the uk and that comes back positive what do we do you know, and so there, there, there is still a lot of worry um, around at the moment with regards to international travel. Um, and I think that worry now will take a while to uh, to, to go. Um, the industry is, has had to deal with really difficult things in the past, whether it be terror attacks, um, you know, thinking back to kind of New York, um, the, 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 the tragedy um, in Tunisia a few years ago. Um, and then on the other hand, natural disasters as well. If we think back the, to the tsunamis in Asia, um, volcanic eruptions in Iceland that brought the world's air traffic to, to, to a stop. You know, we've always had to deal with with, with terrible situations but we've never had to deal with a situation that has lasted 18 months mm. um, <laughs> and it has been a huge challenge but I do think actually on the whole the industry has done the best as it can mm. there are certain elements of the industry where in all honesty if some of these businesses went under it, uh, uh, it wouldn't bother me because I think you haven't done the right thing by the industry and by your customers. But on the whole, the industry, I think, has, uh, has done as well as they really can in circumstances that they were given. Mm. And of course, with all those other awful experiences that you were referring to, they're, they're all sort of rare. Uh, and, and in every case, you know, those risks have been mitigated. So I guess the last 18 months have given the industry ways to look at how can they mitigate mitigate those risks in terms of traveling and reducing contact and infection and so on 
Yeah, definitely. I think there is going to be a long lasting effect with that, particularly when it comes to if I think about the cruise industry specifically, you know, we book a lot of cruises here at Deven Travel. And I think the health and hygiene protocols that have been adopted on cruise ships and, and certainly the health and hygiene protocols when it comes to traveling on aircraft and health and safety checks at overseas hotels and apartments and villas, I think, you know, the though that that those are going to be heightened those checks which in the end can only be good for the customer so um so i I think overall you know the travel industry will look different after this but it will look different for the better you think there are some things that perhaps the travel industry had taken for granted yeah i do i think um i I, I think the ease of, of of worldwide travel i think we're taken for granted i think kind of how easy it just simply to pick up a, an inexpensive flight from, from, from A to B. And I think also we took for granted, um, uh, uh, to a certain extent, some of the big companies took for granted their customers because it's, you know, our customers have a choice as to where they book. You know, we're really pleased that they choose to book with us. But certainly when I, when I think back to the, to the start of the pandemic, some of these large online travel agents, some of the world's biggest online travel agents, they simply switched off their phones and they, 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 they put a, a static message on the website to say, we, we can't help you. And, you know, that that's not good enough. And, and you know, these companies are now back up and running again. But my hope is the, uh, the consumer will vote with their, with their feet or their fingers and, and, not use their, and not use those companies again. Because, unfortunately, sometimes people do have short memories. Uh, but we shouldn't because we need to know if something happens again that whoever we're booked for are going to look after us. Mm. Now, you did just mention... Um cruises how Mm -hmm. how do you see that whole world of the cruise line operator um over the next few years because i think that's probably all still in our memories that that was very early on in the whole uh yeah wasn't it you know the issues on cruise ships that's right i think something what one of the one of the images certainly of diamond princess where they had all those customers quarantine on board that'll stick with people for quite a while that was kind of the the focal point in the press at the beginning of the pandemic and and i was really worried that the, the cruising the cruises weren't going to bounce back but those worries have alleviated quite quickly i'm pleased to say because if i think about the last couple of months our cruise business has been back on par to what we were booking in 2019 pre-pandemic yeah. Yeah. i think because of the health and safety protocols that the cruise lines have got in place the fact that the majority of cruise lines are only allowing people on board that have been double vaccinated staff double vaccinated um, and also those people that enjoy cruises it is a little bit of an addiction those people that enjoy cruises will always go on cruises um, and i think if we if we look you know to the future some of these cruise lines now have already got in orders for for for, for new ships uh, some of them small ships, some of them large ships. Um, there's been a there's been a huge increase in river cruising, particularly European river cruising as well, where you typically have you know thirty to forty cabins. So actually, the cruise industry, um, uh, uh, forgive the pun, is is pretty buoyant at the moment. So it's <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I think actually cruising is 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 in safe hands. I've got no what no no worries about cruising at all. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that. You know, obviously my other hat giving financial advice there's um you know some clients who as you say this is what they live for and they love it mm-hmm. and i was talking to some a couple of weeks ago and i said you've got anything planned for next year mm-hmm. just thinking they'll say oh yeah we've booked one now oh, yes we've got three cruises booked <laughs> just people do they just yeah. can't wait to get back on there yeah. again well and if we think now some some cruises are now on sale up to 2024 right. um and they're they're already booking um yeah. and i think um during uh d- during the summer um 
uh, some of the the world's best cruise lines were sailing out of the UK doing kind of probably best described as trial cruising up around the UK coasts and 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 the majority of those were fully booked although although at 50 to 60 percent capacity as they were the regulations at the time it shows that there is that demand there for cruising and I think um I think yeah if I mean even now it was a, a round about four or five weeks ago I had a gentleman looking to book a world cruise and I couldn't find availability until 2023 no so yes. you know and, and bearing in mind these world cruises typically start at around about well a good deal would be about 16 17 thousand per person you know it shows that people it's these what the pandemic has done is it's it in some ways scared people to think life is short i've had friends or family that have been affected by covid or i've been putting off this trip of a lifetime i've been putting it off and off and off because i've been working so hard people are now coming in and saying you know what, I want to book this, whether it be a really nice world cruise. The other things we've been booking are what we tend to call bucket list trips, kind of. So whether it be um, Canada and the famous Rocky Mountaineer train, or whether it be going to Brazil to see Iguazu Falls or India for the Taj Mahal, you know, we're seeing forward bookings for these iconic destinations because people have been putting them off. And the pandemic has, has in a way scared people to, to want to get these trips done. Um, so yeah we are seeing kind of people booking things that they would never have thought to book in the past yeah I absolutely agree with you I think it's put a lot of people um, in a position where they're thinking of the whole perspective on life as a whole and uh, definitely if we don't book these things now you know when are we going to do it because mm -hmm. people tend to put things off now I yeah. think you're absolutely right with that how, how do you see uh, things like long-haul travel I mean is there pent-up demand for that obviously it might not just be for holidays but I suspect lots of people have family around the world now and uh, you know that the inability to travel you know to Australia and New Zealand or, or mm. to the States and so on is there people who are, are desperate to get going and you've got a, a list ready to, to go yeah we, we have absolutely got that list of people ready to go you know we are a worldwide community now and I think like I mentioned before we take for granted how easy it is to travel around the world um, and I think particularly with the borders still being closed in Australia and New Zealand the borders being shut in the USA you know people are desperate to reconnect with friends and families we've got grandparents haven't been able to see their grandchildren um, you know now for coming up to the best part of two years realistically by the time the borders do reopen so there is a huge amount of pent-up demand there and you know for families and friends reconnecting for businesses to to, to have those face-to-face -face meetings and not just necessarily meetings for some businesses need to obviously operate physically with whether it be machinery or or, or whatever it may be visit, visiting certain uh, premises um and also those bucket list trips so the the, the pent-up demand is definitely there you know people do want to get traveling again and i think you know long-haul travel will always be um, you know, will always be forefront of people's minds by way of dream destinations. Um, and certainly pre-pandemic, long-haul travel was extremely affordable as well. We're, we're hoping for it to continue to be affordable, although we are seeing some price increases for next year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the pent-up demand is there, and I do think it will make a comeback. Mm, right. So what about you? Have you been able to get on a plane in the last few months or have you just been no <laughs> no not at all no. my, my my last break was um so the pandemic really struck in march i went away in february took the i've got two children they're 12 and 13 we went to uh brussels and bruges on eurostar and on the way back you know 
it was rumours that certain things, and I was, no, that'll be okay, that'll be fine. Um, and since then, cancelled numerous trips for myself as well. So, yeah. um, so at the moment, haven't haven't got anything booked. But um, but what I've said I'd like to do certainly over the next twelve months is focus on on you know the, the children are now at an age where. Um, they, they enjoy a beach holiday. They enjoy jumping in and out of the swimming pool. But actually, we want to tick some cities off the list. And so it's an ongoing joke with me and me and my two children in that um, one of the first things we want to do pre-pandemic is visit Chernobyl. <laughs> okay. Interesting choice. Wasn't what I was expecting you to say. No. So, we, so that, that's somewhere that we've just wanted to visit for such a long time. It's something that this, my oldest has kind of uh, learned a bit about at school. And we watched the programme on school guy and yeah you know it's just a trip that we've really wanted to do for such a long time now so yeah. so as as soon as there's no no coronavirus around we want to go to Chernobyl <laughs> <laughs> well that's uh that wasn't what I was uh, no I bet you I'm thinking that no no most people don't when I tell them <laughs> although although if a good deal was to crop up in the meantime I'll be there to, to, to anywhere to anywhere of course yeah yeah and I understand of course at the moment you probably just got your focus on Let's just Focus keep the business, on the up business. And running. Yeah, exactly. Because obviously we've got furlough coming to an end now. I'm really lucky that the uh, the team members that are on furlough are coming back and they've been great because they've agreed to drop their hours to save the business money. Um, because of what one thing from a travel agency or tra- perspective that a lot of people don't realise is we only make our, our, our commission and our referral fees when people actually travel. And so we're coming into the winter season now where less people do travel. Um, and so it's a lean period. A lot of business, mm. a lot of travel businesses lose money through the winter season. Mm. And so looking at our forward bookings, it's not until April where we've got a real good volume of departures. And so we'll then start getting that commission and referral fee coming into the business to boost the bank balance. But until then, it is going to be a it is going to be a lean winter. And obviously, we're in a position as well where kind of you know we haven't been able to have anyone travel for eighteen months, so we haven't had any money come into the business at all um, and so it's only through us being successful previously and the bank balance being relatively healthy um, tied into me being particularly tight that um, or careful I should say um, that, that you know we've managed to see it through because a lot of a lot of agencies haven't unfortunately mm. and that's why actually although sometimes people sort of moan a bit about businesses making profit businesses need to make profit so they can build up some resilience that's right situations such as this is absolutely critical yeah and i think the other thing is that we tend to say to people is 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 we're we're for for 99 of the products that we book we're no more expensive than people booking on the internet we're the exact same price if not better and we can do that shopping around we can do that research we don't charge service fees you know sometimes we can spend hours researching and, and finding the best holidays people and those people choose not to book we don't charge a service fee for that um and quite often people don't realize we're the same price because our referral fee or commission is paid separately to what that person's paying for the holiday it's not added on to your holiday cost so you're not paying any more so you know use us please <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and, and again this is what we're all about in this podcast is just understanding local businesses um we say that there's only three things you can do with money you can spend it you can save it or you can give it away so if people are going to spend it we'd love to see that money spent in suffolk supporting definitely businesses. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, as much as we've been thinking here about all these wonderful, glamorous places overseas and Chernobyl, um, you know, and we, we understand people love Suffolk and want to be in Suffolk, but, you know, for those who are looking to travel overseas or travel to other destinations around the world, this is, um, yeah, really important that they use local businesses to do that. Yeah, definitely. And, and we shouldn't forget about the, the UK. You know, we've got some fantastic places to visit here in the UK. As a business, we are very restricted to what we can book by way of UK travel. We just haven't got the contracts. Um, one thing we found at the beginning of the pandemic is some of the big UK companies that we deal with decided to no longer use travel agents. They would only take bookings direct, obviously, to avoid paying the commission and referral fees, which is a shame that those people abandoned us as an industry at that time. But um, um, it would then make me question whether I want to go back to in uh, having an association with those businesses in the future when they do need our support so yeah, um, yeah, but, um, but but yeah we, we you know we, we, we book a lot of Channel Islands, Jersey, Guernsey, Isle of Man, um, Ireland we book a lot of so so yeah it's uh, we've got that scope definitely. Wonderful that's really good so I, I'm really intrigued now T tell me about the best trip that you have ever had what's the best location you've been to? Um, I really enjoy the island of Mauritius right um, I don't think you can uh, but Mauritius has something for everyone the gorgeous in Indian Ocean golden sandy beaches you know uh, waterfalls so it's it's the perfect mix really of beach break and uh, well and everything else that you want to do as well uh, but some of my favorite trips um, really enjoyed India I was lucky enough to do a train uh, well a luxury train journey through India seeing all the sites so Delhi, Jaipur, Udapur, the Taj Mahal that was amazing really enjoyed Vietnam but my favorite holidays are still my my, my ski holidays um yeah. i i just really enjoy being being in the mountains taking in the fresh air it's um it's a holiday i i really enjoy to do so although there's lots of lovely places i've been to you know I probably get more excited about my yearly ski holiday than I do do my other holidays. <laughs> well, if you're into skiing, then yeah, very much so. So there must be, though, that someone has booked a holiday through you at some stage in your career and you've just thought, wow, if I could afford that, if I could organise that, I would love to do it. Is there anyone that you can recall? Obviously, we're not talking names or locations mm -hmm. here. Or, and obviously, destinations we want to know. Yeah. But uh, what, what one booking have you thought oh that would be amazing i must say and it's a booking that we seem to do on a fairly regular basis that makes me even more jealous because i'm booking <laughs> this and i'm actually saying to our customer this is what i want to do so this is what i'm going to recommend you do and one day i'm going to do it and it's uh, the canadian the canadian rockies and rocky mountaineer vancouver and an alaskan cruise um so you fly into calgary you do the national park so banff jasper lake louise you join the rocky mountaineer up to vancouver a few nights in vancouver and then join a join a cruise and do seven night cruise for alaska because a cruise is the best way to see alaska back to vancouver for a couple of nights before flying home that is what i want to do fantastic <laughs> and, and is that is that a two-week trip then is, is it yeah it's a, it's a, you could easily do it in a two-week trip. Most people tend to do 14, 15 nights for that type of trip. So, um, yeah, it's easily doable. Um, Cost-wise, you know, because the Alaska, because of the Alaskan cruise add-on, you're talking in the region of about four or 5,000 per person, which 
bearing in mind the amount of things you're taking in, I don't think is horrendous. But um, but yeah, that's that's a trip that's that's definitely on my list that I want to do. <laughs> so very good. Um, so when the business starts making some money again, that that that's that's definitely that's definitely high on my uh, my agenda. Yeah, once you've done Chernobyl, then you'll go over to Alaska. I, I'm just going to tick Chernobyl <laughs> off my list, and then I'm going to do Luxury Canada. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> very good, very good. So, do you think there's still, as we just sort of wrap things up, do you think there's still a, a good potential for travel agents still being able to serve local communities, to listening to what the, the client needs, and be able to establish a tailor-made um, package mm. for them, or, or do you feel it's, you know, it's going to be thinned out? It's strange, you know, a few years ago, there was talk about, you know, is the high street travel agency dead? You know, is, is there a need? You know, people are now booking their own travel arrangements online and, you know, people themselves are well travelled and tend to know what they want. They can do a lot of research using the Internet. Um, I think the pandemic has shown what that expert advice and knowledge can deliver that you doing something by yourself online cannot whether it simply be these are the tests you require this is the paperwork you need to fill in we must book this type of holiday because it's got this protection and we'll guarantee a refund if something happens plus on top of that one thing that the internet can't do is jump out and say don't forget you must do this otherwise when you get to Stansted you're going to be sent home again because you haven't got the right paperwork mm. the other thing the internet doesn't tend to do is if you're booking a holiday to um, the Caribbean in September is jump out and say hang on did you realize it's hurricane season um, and the other thing the internet can't do is give that personal face-to-face -face advice so someone comes in and says oh you know I'm looking to go to a particular hotel in Mauritius and I say actually if this is what you want I'd recommend this room category because it's all on single level so perfect for the less mobile you're straight out to the beach they have water sports there it's only a 30 minute transfer time it's got two different restaurants if you like Chinese food it's got an Asian speciality restaurant you know that's what people come into us for and because within this within my team we've got over a hundred years of not first-hand knowledge Knowledge of going to these places and doing our own holidays but also doing our educational trips as well we feel we've got that knowledge to be able to give to people which the internet can't do and I think because of that I think the uh, yeah long live the the traditional travel agent <laughs> yeah very good well absolutely shines through that you really know what you're talking about so yeah that's been fascinating just to understand still, something more still get doing. excited after all these years it's, it's <laughs> sad really but there you go <laughs> yeah but that's why you, why you do what you do and that's, and and that's what that's I do really and that's good. why I enjoy being being on the shop floor every day you know I'm I'm you know I think that's what I missed as well not working in travel when you're working remotely um, and looking after stores you know you do miss sitting there on the shop floor talking to talking to customers mm. there are days where I don't want to talk to customers but generally <laughs> generally that's the best bit of the job <laughs> yeah no, that's very good and it's been lovely to hear that you've got had so much activity going on in the office today that you've needed to get into the cupboard in order to finish I've the needed to, to come to our glamorous staff relaxation area to finish the conversation yeah I, and there I was thinking it was a brochure cupboard which is where we it, started this it pretty much is Colin <laughs> brochure cupboard lunch everything story yeah, everything goes on well it's been really brilliant to talk to you Lee thank you for your time and uh, we wish you every success as we hope things will rebuild and pick up from here Thanks very much. Good to speak to you too. Thank you so much for listening 
to this edition of the Suffolk Money Podcast. Please do subscribe with your uh, podcast provider of choice. Uh, we would really appreciate it if you could rate this and uh, if you can give us maximum points we'd really value that it just helps other people to find the work that we do and i just want to uh, also uh, suggest that you might want to get in touch if there's any good stories or um, activities that are going on in suffolk that you would like us to pick up and find out some more about so thank you so much uh, to my team for sally who does uh, all the booking uh, for joy who does all the work in the background and for Kevin who makes all this sound wonderful. So thank you so much team, thank you for all that you do and thank you so much for listening.